The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and West Coast Windows. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. I truly believe that there is nothing our God cannot do. In the world we live in now, that is comforting to know. Good morning, everybody. This is In My Opinion by Marty McClendon, all across the ACN network, the American Christian Network. Uh, shout out to Tom Reed. Uh, what an amazing man of God and a host or uh, owner of these stations. Also, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, reaching out um, via email. You can always reach the show at morningshowmarty at gmail.com. You can listen to... The rebroadcast on any podcasting site, whether it be iTunes or uh, Anchor, Spotify, uh, or Amazon Music as well. And you can have your smart speaker play this show or the show with Doug and Marty versus the world heard on the same stations at 10 a.m. every Saturday morning. And and as we're getting through the commercials here, meaning, hey, you can get in contact with me. Uh, You can ask questions. You can ask for prayer requests. You can say, hey, cover this topic and so forth. So, hope you all are getting out and having a great weekend. This morning, I'm going to be helping out on Little League football. Um, a friend of mine's kids actually playing on the team, wanted some extra help. My wife voluntold me, and I'm having a blast um, helping these little youngsters, um, eight, nine, and ten year olds, play football and uh, take it seriously, learn about teamwork, and what an opportunity. So, I know today at 10 o'clock, we're, we have another interview from Doug and I um, when we were over at the Morning Star. It was the KBA conference over in North Carolina. Actually, it's South Carolina in Fort Mill, but it's right across the border. Um, great interviews. Make sure you tune in today um, because we've got a series of interviews. Uh, one's an apologist about um, the scripture. Uh, one is about uh, his incredible testimony and uh, using uh, Romans eight twenty eight and uh, how he's basically almost lost his life and his his whole story with Martin Powell is incredible, and then we've got um, uh, a lady that is is has been uh, the frontline fighter for the heartbeat bill across America. What a story she's got as well, um, and, and more interviews to come. So make sure you listen to ten a.m. Uh, every Saturday the next three weeks for Doug and Marty versus the world. Of course, my show here as well. I did one show from uh, South Carolina, and of course, now I'm back, and I'm doing the show here. So as you know, we all know, we start to show off with uh, giving glory to God. What is the message? What is the word of the week? Whatever, if, if I'm going to preach or I'm talking about real estate or talk about politics, it's usually politics. But we start off here. Today's verse happens just to be Romans 8.28. Okay, okay. Now, that's pretty much of a God thing. So, once again, that interview we have with Martin Powell, probably not this weekend, but I think it's for next weekend. He talks about the fact that God promises in Romans 8.28. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Now, the Amplified has the extra words. If you want it without the extra words, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God, 
uh, it causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to whom those who are called according to his plan and purpose. So first you have to love God and be called according to his plan and purpose. But then he works all things, good, bad, ugly, all things, um, for our good and his glory. It's just an amazing verse. But Martin Powell talks about this verse, how we come in agreement with God and say, God, you said you would work all things, so work this thing or that thing to happen in my life according to your will, my good, and your glory, right? Because I am called according to your purpose and your plan, and I do love you. So uh, without getting that mixed up, uh, it's a very good teaching. Make sure you tune in probably this, well, might as well tune in today and next week as well. Uh, good interviews. It was... We know when we interview guests, there are some great guests. We've had some great interviews over the years. I've had some great interviews on this show as well. Um, but there are some that, did, while you're interviewing, you are just engaged with the subject and the and the uh, interviewee, if you will, um, that you're like, you don't want it to end. And I tell you that the next three weeks on Doug and Marty vs. the World is that type of interviews. Really powerful stuff. Um, where you enjoyed it as much to bring bring it to you, but also to just be there and ask the question. So you'll 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 enjoy it as well. As far as this show goes, I'm sure many 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 well probably uh, I would probably half of you probably saw the first Republican um, debate for president. You know, 2024 election we know have already started. We're in 2023. We should be out there campaigning and canvassing and, and helping our conservative candidates win in 2023. But this is the first you know, where the Republican um, primary, uh, pre-primary, if you will, it's uh, as they run up before the first caucuses in Iowa, um, you had, I think it was eight members on the stage, the ones that qualified for the debate. Donald Trump uh, did not go. He's like, why would I... Um, debate uh, against people that are, you know, 30, 40, 50 points behind me in the polls. We know the polls can be skewed, but that's a big gap. It's a huge gap between the first place and second place. And I will say this, Donald Trump is correct. That's why a lot of times you'll see uh, the incumbent candidate doesn't want to debate. They have nothing to gain and everything to lose by debating somebody that can take them on and call them on their policies, can do whatever. And so it's, it sounds scary, I mean, not scary, but it sounds like they're chicken or whatever. No, they just know the numbers. There's no benefit to them. Unless you um, embarrass them enough or call them out enough where enough pressure happens on them, most of the time the incumbents don't want to debate for that very reason because the the gain versus loss, they can much easier to lose um, popularity or attention or money than it is to gain in politics. So anyway, but Trump probably made the right call. He had over, I think it was a hundred million and some crazy number. It was 20 million viewers or listeners or viewers on Twitter, which is now called X with, uh, Tucker Carlson and Trump during the presidential debate, uh, has had his own unique form, uh, and the amount of viewership was off the charts. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And then by the end of the interview, which I haven't seen yet, I'm going to see that this later this weekend. Um, apparently, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't anything. They talked in platitudes, didn't get in deep in the woods. And apparently, um, Tucker Carlson kind of gave Donald Trump softball questions. But, hey, you know what? I think Donald Trump made the right choice uh, in light of 
the fourth indictment. Um, he would have been the center stage of this presidential debate, and they would have all just tried to attack him, right? Uh, not being there, he was still mentioned. He was still the focus. Um, but he is, he is really far ahead in the polls, and the more they go after him, it seems like he's getting farther and farther ahead. So that's it. Let's, of the candidates that are on the stage, I want to get your opinion. Email me, if you will, at morningshowmarty at gmail. Or you can, uh, um, yeah, well, that's about it. Or find me on Facebook for Morning Show Marty as well. And uh, give me your opinion. So I, I'll tell you what my opinion was. This is called In My Opinion. So I'm watching this, and I watch it for the purpose of to have an objective opinion. Uh, for some reason, if Trump didn't make it or uh, who was a rising star, we know that in 2016, when uh, Trump ran, I liked Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was a strong conservative, a solicitor general, had argued before the Supreme Court, constitution-based, hard a core and well-known conservative. I'm like, yeah, Ted Cruz. And of course, I have a few friends that were big Ben Carson fans. And Ben Carson, you know, conservative, Christian guy, amazing brain surgeon. Well, I thought the the quality and talent on that stage in 2016 was off the charts. Jeb Bush was there, obviously, another Bush, right? Uh, but he had, you know, um, support from his family and money raising. And across the board, most of the candidates on the stage, you're like, even Chris Christie back then, I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, um, governor of New Jersey, tough on crime and the whole bit. It looked good. And here's this outsider. We all know Donald Trump. We all, he was has a high name ID from the intern and whatever, but nobody gave him a shot. Republican, Democrat, they all thought it was a joke when he was running. But he was fresh. He uh, spoke boldly on the issues that no one else would cover. And he made everybody else look silly. Even my uh, favorite, Ted Cruz, um, just got into a, a punching match, argument match. And just that's not the kind of fight that Ted was used to. So I say all that because Donald Trump was the only one that came there with no experience, no political background, no no office he had served in, um, but he got a lot done. Of course, then he got elected, you know, went through the election and got more done in the short first two years and the four years of, of his presidency than most presidents in the last 40 years have gotten done. Lowest unemployment rate in 40 years in black, brown, Hispanic, Asian, you know, um, Roaring economy, energy independent, and so on. We all know the fact. I don't. Uh, you, you don't have to like the guy or not. How was the economy going? Were we freer? Were we safer? Was the economy better? Was the border more secure? All those things are yes, yes, and yes. Okay. So here's a total outsider did, that did the job and shocked Washington and probably most Americans that he got so much done with so much vitriol with the mainstream media with the uh, rhino Republicans, if you will, with Democrats, just apoplectic around Donald Trump, that he's going to blow us up and the nuclear bomb and all these things that were trying to scare us. And the guy was unfazed. He was still able to get things done. The, the promises made, promises kept. Pretty impressive to me, okay? Fast forward, 2020, we've, there's a lot of questions about the stopping the machines and so forth, about um, the busting in ballots into Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, I should say. And then we got that, our own problems in Washington. All kinds of problems. Okay. Now we're on this debate stage 
on uh, just like a few days ago. This, this is where I'm at now. The reason I'm bringing up Trump back there in 16 is the eight people on the stage, you had um, six governors, one senator, one, and one businessman, okay? So that's uh, this unknown um, Ramaswamy, okay? Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, say that 10 times fast, right? So you had these two governors, one from North Dakota and one from, uh, is it Essa? And then, uh, anyway, they, there's two governors, uh, older governors that seemed very nice, gave decent answers, but they seemed old and slow and they couldn't keep up. I felt bad for them, and I'm, I'm curious if they'll make the next debate. Nothing wrong with being old, but it's I'm seeing there's a contrast that they just seem to... Um, I don't know. They didn't seem to have a lot of energy, uh, a, a lot of focus. You know, they could be presidential for that matter. But um, so those two, I was I was not that impressed with. They kind of got lost. The senator Tim Scott, I love Tim Scott. Senator Scott is amazing, but he seemed a little timid uh, during this debate. He, he didn't get into it too much. Uh, wasn't able to really articulate too much. Great speaker. I, I like I said, I love him, um, but he kind of got lost in this debate as well. Um, which is interesting. And then you had uh, Governor Nikki Haley. Um, she got a little feisty. She had some good foreign uh, policy comments. I thought she handled herself fairly well. I think she got into it a little bit with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy when she shouldn't have. But I think she, I mean, you have to mix it up in a debate. Don't get me wrong. Um, but sometimes you go too far. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. Okay, so then you had um, Governor or uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. And I like Mike Pence. When he ran as um, the vice presidential candidate for Donald Trump, I'm like, oh, good, some balance, someone who has to actually govern the state, someone who can help Donald uh, be on the straight and narrow. It would be a good balance, business and government and so forth. And he's a strong conservative, and Ted Cruz vouched for him, all these things. And, of course, now he just doesn't seem the same. Um, he was... Uh, trying to be tough during the debate. He was, all, you know, uh, being tough on this and, and ridiculing people that just uh, not experienced. Some of the things he said wasn't bad and they were actually true, but the way he said them felt off to me because it didn't seem like he was being real. It like, felt like he was trying to put on somebody else or try to be somebody else. Maybe he's trying to be like Trump. Who knows? Um, but I was like, oh. And most of the pundits said that uh, it was the it hurt Pence the most because he just didn't look genuine. He looked tried, he's trying to force being tough, and it came across wrong to me and to the audience. So I I don't think this was his best performance. And then his um his relationship with Trump and the, and the Trump supporters not good. So I don't think uh, Pence has got a shot. He may later on. You know who knows? God's got, got some amazing ways to um, prove us all wrong, right? So you got the two governors from North Dakota, and I'm not sure where the other one's from, um, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, I'm trying to think, uh, Tim Scott. Um, you had, oh, yeah, Chris Christie. Um, remember I said he was tough on crime in New Jersey, and, and even during the 2016, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see him as president. No way. But right now, this guy was just, he is so anti-Trump. He's laser-focused. He's like tunnel vision on bashing Trump. I don't care if you don't like the guy, but why do, should I elect you? Why would I vote for you if the only thing you have to offer is what the Democrats are already doing? They already hate Trump. They're already saying these things. Why would 
we vote for somebody that's just like them. That just doesn't make any sense. So I think Christie's going to be out. I think Pence is going to be out. I think um, uh, I think um, the two governors from North Dakota, the older gentlemen, are out. Um, they, they won't last much longer, I'm trying to say. And Nikki Haley uh, held herself well. Governor Ron DeSantis, another one of my favorites. I think Ron DeSantis... Uh, if you, if Trump was not in the picture, which I think a lot of people wish he was not, because of this this dichotomy, this the, the mixed bag you get, uh, Ron DeSantis, decent um, congressman, great governor, has uh, he's one of the um, DeSantis. I think Palin was great. I I know Christy Noem in South Dakota. I I think I have a political political crush on her. She's beautiful, but she's really smart too. She's strong. She didn't ever bow down, never close the state down, never forced ma- um, mass mandates or vaccine. Um, she has now got more jobs than workers, and she's doing these great creative commercials about drawing people into South Dakota to work. I think it's brilliant. Uh, of course, she's got a bright political future as well. I can see her as a running mate for Donald Trump. I can see her as president someday, maybe four years from now. Super, super smart. Anyway, back to Ron DeSantis. He's actually running for president. I like him a lot. He's a great governor. He's done much of the same things that Christy Nome did in South Dakota, but in Florida, a much, much larger state. I think South Dakota is like 3 million people. Florida's 30 million. So it's 10 times the size. He was able to, after initially shutting down, open up earlier, fight back against the woke agenda in schools, fight Disney, um, um, provide for the the treatment and and um, uh, all the stuff to help people get over COVID faster. Amazing job of fighting the left, the radical woke ideology, Washington D.C., and then fighting for citizens. That's why he won in a landslide in his reelection. So all that, Ron DeSantis, great governor, and I think someday will be a great president. Ron DeSantis, though, think about this. Ron DeSantis fits the mold. Ron DeSantis, Navy officer. I think he was a SEAL, by the way. So he was he's decorated, to say the least. Good-looking guy, gorgeous family. Uh, has gone through the ranks from Congress to governor and, and has had great success rate. Easy to raise money. So he's what you typically look for when you're in the political establishment as someone who is electable, right? I did the air quotes that you can't see, but he's electable. And I like him. He's got great policies. He, he's, he's been tough against the right people and the right things and fighting for the right causes. Okay. That said, um, he's got to figure things out. During the debate, they asked if, uh, if Trump's indicted again or a nut, whatever, is found guilty of something, but he's still the eventual nominee, would you still support him? And of course, Vivek Ramaswamy raised his hand up real fast. Uh, I think Nikki Haley raised her slowly. Um, some of the others raised it. And Ron DeSantis kind of put his ha- hand up halfway. I get it. Uh, him and Donald Trump have had a little falling out a little bit. Um, uh, Donald Trump thinks he's being unloyal. Uh, Ron DeSantis wants to be his own guy, and he's been pushed by a, a bunch of different groups. All that said is he did fine. He spoke to the camera. He spoke about the issues. He should have, in my humble opinion, talked more about his record because his record is impeccable. His record is really, really strong. Um, but the surprise of the night, I'll say this, was the Vivek Ramaswamy. This this um, 35-year-old 
uh, Indian billionaire that was kind of a self-made billionaire. Okay, this guy's got a great story, huge smile, uh, and he's talking to the people. He doesn't have a lot of depth. He doesn't have a lot of policies experience, which is all the stuff you hear. Oh, he's inexperienced. He's young. He's whatever. The guy's charismatic. The guy um, directly says the things we're all talking about. I, I love it. And he was blunt about things, and he took on everybody on the stage. My wife, of course, doesn't like that. She's like, eh, they're talking over each other. They're fighting. I don't want to see this. I want to hear substantive discussion. But Vivek was clear. Here's a guy that does not have any political experience, another businessman that is charismatic, that on the stage made everybody else look slow. And he was addressing the issues that should have been addressed. Not all of them, but he was addressing them in very clear, cogent um, ways to say, this is what we have to do, this is what, we, and this is what we're dealing with. Um, if you get a chance, to, if you haven't watched it, watch it again and see what you think. I thought, regardless of whether he's, he's uh, deep on the issues or has solutions, the point is he's, he's putting his finger on the things that we all care about, the southern border right? Our stand in the world, the energy independence and so forth. So most of what he's talking about, and he's a big, strong supporter of Donald Trump, whether he's trying to be vice president or on the ticket or whatever, he's, he knows that if you have, you know, if Donald Trump's got a 50 or 60 uh, point lead in the polls, you better not alienate those voters. So he's doing a good job of not doing that. And he is rising in the polls. This, this guy that's unknown a few months ago, honestly unknown, is now rising in the polls. So he's third in the group of Republicans, Trump, then DeSantis, and then Vivek Ramaswamy. A lot of my conservative friends are liking Vivek, which is interesting because there's a lot of similarities between him and Trump, right? Both billionaires, both uh, charismatic. Trump had a lot more name ID. He didn't start from scratch like Vivek is. But both look great on the stage because in contrast, they're not politicians. They're businessmen that are saying, well, here's some issues. We got to talk about these issues and these issues, and here's some solutions to it and stop all this political, like, oh, we can't do that and so forth, and all this meandering, which you often get from those that have been in political office for a long time. They don't really want to solve anything. They just want to talk about the issue to be a talking point. But I thought it was very interesting, this first debate, that you had six governors. You know, oftentimes you'll have a couple. And I love it when Mike Huckabee ran. I love it when former governors run. I think any executive position, whether you're a mayor like Pete Buttigieg, which is scary. That's funny, right? Um, for, the, for the Biden administration or um, a uh, county executive or a governor of a state, I think that executive position gives you great experience to be president of the United States. But Donald Trump, and I'm sure others will come along, even uh, even Ronald Reagan was governor first, you know, um, prior to becoming president. So there's, there's something to that stepping stone. And yet Donald Trump proved that if you have the um, vision and the um, willingness to win and the business mindset, mindset, you can get things done. It doesn't have to be the, the political, you know, whatever. I think that's why they hate him so much. So my intake of this debate was, it was kind of ho-hum. Every one of them, that with your closing statements in a debate are your, your chance to set the tone, um, to leave a lasting memory with the voters, right? This is about fundraising. It's about, um, this is, as a fundraise, it can stay in the race longer. 
Uh, maybe you make it back to, past the first caucus, right? This is name ID. Some people run for president to set up for a race in the future or another race. Some people do it just because they're arrogant or whatever. We saw that with Inslee getting less than 1%. But some, it's just like it's strategic. Some just have this intent to win, whether it be Trump or not. So uh, on this stage, you saw they all attacked, all of them, um, went after this brand new this newcomer, this young man, this businessman, this billionaire. All the gas, all of the air in the room, as they would say, um, was focused on them. So the, the other candidates didn't go after um, Ron DeSantis. It's interesting. So they were expecting him to be on the defensive, and he didn't have to be, but he didn't go on the offensive either. But the fact that you had um, um, Nikki Haley and um, Chris Christie and... Um, anyway, the, most of them tussled, if you will, had these uh, verbal uh, altercations with Vivek Ramaswamy. It's reminiscent of 2016. I'm not saying Vivek is Trump, but when you think about it, the fact that all the attention was on one candidate, the un, the brand new person, all the attention was one that was clearly that was not a politician, very, very eerily similar to Trump 16 and Vivek in 2024, right, this election. Um, with Trump being there, if he had been there, I think it would have been a mistake. First of all, it would be great to hear him debate, but that would he wouldn't have got to see Vivek and see the rest of them. So I think the very first one, good. I think Trump should show up to the second one and the third one just because um, he's got a record too. Both him and DeSantis could say, my record, I did this. This is what happened when I was in the office. You know, uh, and then none of them really attacked Donald Trump on the indictment. Okay, so that's my take from the debate. Um, very interesting, pretty ho-hum, strong closing statements that they rehearsed, um, trying to win out sort of the Republican voters, if you will. And then, of course, more and more scandals are coming out. Um, the former Ukrainian prosecutor general, Viktor Shokin, uh, had an interview with Fox talking about um, that they got fired uh, for investigating Burisma and Hunter Biden. So we've been knowing this for a long time, but now they're testifying. Of course, the Biden administration, that's not true. And I bring that up because all of this uh, smoking gun, um, Fox is doing a special where they're seeing that over the, all the four or eight years that um, Biden was vice president under Barack Obama, Hunter Biden flew on Air Force Two dozens and dozens of times making deals with foreign leaders at the cost of taxpayer money, flying with his dad who actually and pictures and limos and whatever in uh, meeting these foreign leaders. They've been peddling this influence peddling for a long, long time. And there's, there's irrefutable video evidence of them doing so right now. And so at the, in the, in the backdrop of that, you have none of the mainstream media talking about uh, Joe Biden and his liability and his peddling. And this is illegal. This is treasonous. This is all this stuff. He is a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? He is compromised beyond anything, as you as you know. Him and Hunter, uh, the whole Biden family should be arrested. I, I believe that. I say that uh, because they just indicted Donald Trump again. The Georgia did. He had to go report to jail. Um, get his mugshot, which is all across the social media. Um, and it seems like his poll numbers keep going up. But you think about this. You have the guy, the, the DA in New York, 
that took misdemeanor charges that had passed their statute of limitations, called them felonies, and and, uh, cornered a grand jury and indicted Trump on these really wild, absurd uh, charges about uh, paperwork filing, which is crazy. Then you have the Georgia one because he called the um, governor in the election during the 2020 election and said, hey, something's not right here. You know, we need more votes, but this doesn't make sense, right? Because there's all the anomalies, right? But they're trying to say that he was trying to influence the election. He's just trying to get answers. Uh, the January 6th indictment, you know, they went, indict, they went through the sham uh, hearing where it was only Nancy Pelosi's picked people and, and, and the people that hated Trump. Uh, that destroyed all of their interviews and their evidence when it was uh, subpoenaed by the uh, Judicial Committee. So think about this. So the evidence that they used to indict Trump, they destroyed. That uh, You don't destroy evidence unless you're trying to hide something. So, okay, that's three of them. I know there's a fourth one as well. It's a fourth. So he's been indicted, but all the all of these charges at eating one of them. Oh, that's right, and the, and the documents. The Mar-a-Lago raid, where you know where Biden had the three different locations in by his Corvette, in the in the Biden Penn Center, sponsored by the Communist Chinese government, where he had classified documents as a vice president, which he does not have the right to have, and nothing's been done, nothing, and yet Donald Trump actually had uh, unclassified documents because he's the president. Presidents and ex-presidents have the right to unclassified documents they want and keep them, which he had permission from the Library of Congress to actually keep these documents. They raid his house, and they indict him for supposedly showing some of these documents to someone else. It's ridiculous. We know this is a political witch hunt. We know um, that the, the Biden administration is trying to arrest their political opponent. This is, this is tyranny. We've got to push back and stand on the Constitution. And right now, based on this debate and where things are, I think Donald Trump's our best chance. Obviously pray, obviously obey. Uh, God is still God and he's still on the throne. He can still do everything. All right, take care. God bless. See you next week. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God.